Good morning. We're starting a new series today. We're talking about the church and culture. For the next two months, we're going to be talking about what is culture, who, and what is the church. And we're going to be diving into scripture to discover the vision that Jesus gave us for how this relationship could work. Now, why are we doing this series now and what relevance does it have? Well, a couple of months ago, uh, when the pandemic was just hitting us, we were discovering all the dangers and the threats that COVID-19 had. And I was talking to a friend. Uh, he's not part of church world. He doesn't identify as a Christian. But he was reading a bunch of news articles about the church, and he had noticed that churches were not regarding uh, the medical advice and were disobeying some of the orders from government officials not to meet together in person and to practice social distancing. So he asked me the question, you know, what are what was I seeing and how was I thinking about it? Was this normal? Were all churches doing this? And what was my take on this? Now, whenever I get into these kind of conversations around church and culture, they're obviously very complicated and a lot of thoughts go in through my head. And it's a tense and complicated relationship that we're entering into. Uh, first of all, because Jesus kind of set it up that way. He gave us this warning when he created the church. When he first created the church, he said that the world was going to hate his followers just like it hated him and crucified him. And surely that's what happened. In the very first uh, centuries in which the church operated, the government officials and the culture around it largely hated Christians they arrested them, they tortured them, they killed them off, and it was a very sour relationship. And that continues today in many parts of the world. There are many parts of the world in which Christians are persecuted for their faith. And so it's obviously a tense relationship. But I would also say this, in modern North America, the relationship has gotten unnecessarily complicated. And what I mean by that is that we tend to operate in North America by a lot of stereotypes, by sound bites. We create caricatures of people, and then we talk at the caricatures and not at the people themselves. And because of that, because there's so much misperception and stereotype going on, uh, we don't always get in a a faithful kind of relationship where we're truly talking to one another. So a few years ago, Ira Glass, who's kind of the content creator for This American Life, he's a narrator and the host. Uh, a lot of Ira Glass fans I know are out there in, in the Access community. Uh, well, he did an interview and was asked about his take on Christianity and Christians, especially as portrayed in the media. And his insight is really significant. Now, for those of you who don't know of his background, uh, Ira Glass grew up as a secular Jew. He identifies himself religiously as an atheist. And so his perspective is kind of interesting as an outsider looking in and having a lot of interest in what Christians do and how they practice life. And he has this to say. I feel like Christians are really horribly covered in media. Like Christians seem a really ripe target of opportunity. 
Most subgroups in America will complain about how they are portrayed in media, but Christians seem to have it especially bad. Uh, and he goes on to say um, that they're doctrinaire, they're portrayed as doctrinaire, hot-headed, crazy people. And he says that the Christians in my life were all incredibly wonderful and thoughtful and had very ambiguous, complicated feelings in their beliefs and seemed to be totally generous-hearted and totally um, open to a lot of different kinds of people in their lives. When I came to faith as a teenager, uh, some of my experience was similar. I came to faith in a church in California, uh, a Chinese immigrant church with some kind of fundamentalist roots, and uh, they had some funny rules. Uh, I remember one time when some of the younger leaders wanted to create an event, they, uh, they called it a square event. And they invited people to come, there was gonna be music, but they had to call it a square event because dancing wasn't allowed in the church. There could not be a square dance, but they could have a square event. So, you know, I get it. I get it. Church can be really strange and funny and it can come off as maybe naive and judgmental at times. And the, the media picture that we get of the church is often that it's anti-thinking, it's anti-science, it's judgmental, and that um, Christians are kind of not very nice. But that hasn't always been my experience. And even though I came to faith in a church that was anti-dancing, I'll have to say this, that that same church community, it welcomed me with open arms. And even though I didn't look like the rest of the youth group, I didn't talk like the rest of them, I didn't know the right answers to give uh, on their Sunday morning's classes, um, it still welcomed me and it showed me uh, hospitality unlike any other club at school or people that I knew. Uh, the church really did a good job of showing me the love of Christ. And that's kind of my vision and my hope for access, that we can be the kind of church that people can look at and say, they see the light of God in our midst, that they can recognize that the love of Christ is in our midst, and that our engagement with culture is both thinking and thoughtful and something that challenges people. You know, it's been my experience with the church that the church has called me to think harder than ever before. It has called my heart to love people um, more than ever before. The church has called me to care for the world and my neighbors unlike any other place. And I would say that the church, this church that I know and that I love and that I serve, is the church I want to help you see uh, more clearly as we go through this series. So whether you're new to the church and maybe you need to have um, some thoughts uh, re-examined, or maybe you've been part of the church for a long time and you feel a little bit maybe ashamed because of the media portrayal and you feel on the defensive all the time, I hope that this series can help us get into these topics more deeply and more thoughtfully. So I'd like to do three things for today. We're going to go through Genesis 
We're going to be talking about the first book of the Bible and what it has to say about what culture is and how does how God created us in a certain manner. We're also going to go through the New Testament. That'll be point two and talk about what and who is the church and God's design for the church. And finally, we'll be talking about ways in which the church and culture can interact. So let's begin with Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Scripture begins with this very simple and very elegant verse that describes who God is and his relationship to the world. And we have to understand that the, uh, the world and the universe wasn't eternal. It had an origin, a beginning point, and its creator was God. Now, there has been a lot of debate over the centuries over what Genesis is really talking about. Is it literal? Um, there's these days in God's creation. How are we to take it? Uh, it, it begins with a description of God creating three different environments, the heavens and you know the sky. Uh, God created the waters and God created the land. And then God began to populate these areas with life, with birds in the sky, with creatures in the sea, with animals that walked on the land. Um, and how are we supposed to understand these things? Now, coming up later in our series, we're going to be talking about science and faith. And that's going to be a really fun conversation to have the church and science. And we'll get into more of the details behind this. But the important point here that we understand in Genesis 1 is this. God created. God is the creator. And he made human beings and created us in his image. We too are made to be creators like our God. Now, we have a second reading that we're going to do in Genesis. Moving on a little bit to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So we were created to take care of this garden that God placed us in. Now, I like what one commentator has to write in describing gardens. Gardens don't naturally take care of themselves. And if any of you take care of lawns or backyards, you know that if you don't take care of it, it will run wild. Uh, Amy and I used to live across the street from a master gardener. Her name was Judy. So most days, Judy could be found in front of her house taking care of her, her potted plants and flowers and the grass, and she did an amazing job. It looked like the cover of a magazine. And I made it a point whenever I saw Judy, uh, you know, across the street, I would just tell her, Judy, the garden looks amazing. It looks beautiful. And I, I just had this envious feeling every time I looked over there. I was like, man, it just looks so amazing. So one day, Judy decided to invite our family over to her to see her backyard. And her backyard took it to, an, to another level. She opened the gate to her yard. We walked past it. We went into this, we uh, walked into this pathway and there were trees and flowers and potted plants. And it just looked incredible. 
It just transported us. And what she had created in her backyard was a secret garden. Now, I hadn't heard of a secret garden before. It was her getaway spot. You, you walk down this pathway and behind these trees was this little area that she had created. It had a table and chairs and wind chimes and she would go there in the mornings and it was her place to find a bit of peace. And I just absolutely loved it. It was incredible. You see, God has created us, created us to be creators. And when we create things, we live into our human calling. We are living into how God created us in his image. So Andy Crouch is a Christian author who has written extensively about the church and culture, and he offers us a basic definition uh, that comes from this passage in Genesis. Culture is what we make of the world. Culture is what we make of the world. See, it's taking things like trees and plants and flowers and creating things like secret gardens. It is taking the raw stuff of this world and creating chairs and tables and wind chimes. It is taking ideas and creating poetry, putting it into words and making stories and creating novels and books. It is taking musical instruments and creating music and song out of it. We were meant to, called to, by God, to care for this world and to make something of it. That is culture making. That is what culture is. Now, we are about to hit our third reading in Genesis. But before we do so, we have to recognize that there's some element in here that takes our story in a different direction. God tells us about the fall. The fall is when two new elements entered into the human story because humans walked away from the way of God. Sin and death became our new reality. Sin distorted the way we lived with God, and death is the result of sin. And on the one hand, while we were still created in the image of God and designed to take care of this world, we also began to destroy it. And in Genesis chapter 4, we have this reading. It's a description of life after the fall. Lamech married two women, one named Ada and the other Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabal. In Jabal, he was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock, and his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who played string instruments and pipes. Zillah also had a son, Tubal Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal Cain's sister was Nema. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. So you have two things diverging here in this passage. You have on the one hand, a man named Jabal. And after a time of living in caves and shelters, 
Jabel kind of grew restless and he created something out of skins and poles and he discovered that he could last longer outdoors living in these shelters and he became the father of those who lived in tents. So if you love stores like REI and Patagonia, Jabel is the man for you. And it was of his tribe that all of these things began to propagate. There was another brother. His name was Jubal. And he was a little bit different from the rest of his family. While the rest of his family was using string to tie up things and to bind, he began to notice that when he plucked strings, it made a cool noise. He became the father of stringed instruments. And when he went out into the fields and he noticed the wind blowing through the reeds and the grass, it made a sound. And he began to capture this and create flutes. So he became the father of music in a sense. His tribe went on to create all sorts of sounds and music. And if you've ever suffered uh, under your parents to play hours and hours practicing musical instruments, you have Jubal to thank for those inventions. So on the one hand, you had people who went down that pathway and followed the, the image of God in that sense. But you also had Lamech. And Lamech saw things in a very negative light. And while people got married, he decided to have two wives because he thought that was better. So he perverted the plan of God. And then he decided that if anyone was going to cross him, he murdered someone. And he said if anyone would avenge him, he would bring retribution. So he became the creator of a culture of violence and retribution. And in that way, sin and violence took a whole new turn. So this, is the, so this is the summary of the first half. God created. He made us in his image. We are meant to live into that image and create as well. Culture is what we make of this world. But because of the fall, there is a good way to do this. And there are also evil ways in which this spins in the wrong direction. Now, for our second point today, we are turning over to the New Testament, and we're talking about the church. What is the church, and what is all that about? Now, God didn't leave human beings alone in their sin and in their death. He launched a plan of redemption. And recently, as we just celebrated Easter, Easter was the culmination of that plan. God sent his son Jesus to teach us the way of God. He taught us how to live in a different way. He taught us about the kingdom of God. And he went to the cross to deal with sin and death. He dealt with the problem that humans could not deal with alone. And the offer of the gospel, the offer of God is this. That if we believe in Jesus, if we put our trust in him, we become part of his new creation project. We ourselves are renewed from the inside out. We are a new creation and we join his kingdom and we are part of his new creation process. 
Now, in the book of Matthew, there's a description of the church and a conversation that happened between the Apostle Peter and Jesus in describing the church. It reads as follows. So the disciples one day were with Jesus and Jesus asked them, who do you, who do you think I am? And Peter answers very wisely. He says um, that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the son of God. And Jesus says, I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, there's some discussion uh, uh, over the centuries about what this rock in Matthew 16 is. There is an there's a play on words because Peter means rock and he made this confession. And I think the best scholarship points to this, that this rock that Jesus will eventually build his church on is this confession that Peter made that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Because later on in Acts chapter 2, Peter makes the same confession and thousands of people follow Jesus that day and they become part of the church. And God continues to build his church based on the confession of faithful men and women like you and me who make the same confession and invitation to people to come follow Jesus and to have new life. Now, the main point that we're getting to here today is this. What is the church? And the church is this. It is, the it is the new community of people who have put their trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. It is the new community of people who put their trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, this is a really important point to make because there's a lot of misconceptions about what the church is. There are plenty of people today who think that when we talk about the church, we're simply referring to a building. And we talk about that plenty uh, at Access. The church is not the building. Despite what architects and builders like to say, the church is much more than the building. Uh, the church is also more than the worship gathering. A lot of people think that the worship gathering is the church. And this online Sunday gathering that we have is the church. And no, uh, this is one expression of the church, but it is more than that. And there are also a lot of people who tend to think that the church uh, consists of the clergy, the people who are pastors, who are the leaders of the church. They are the church, and it is not um, the regular people who attend the church. And that kind of model obviously is off as well. The church consists of everyone who follows Jesus. We make a new community, and we've been given a charge to live as the faithful people of God. So this now leads us to our third point for today, the church and culture. And when we're talking about the church, again, we're not talking about the building. We're not talking about our Sunday gathering. We're not just talking about people who are considered clergy. We're talking about the community of God. How does the community of God, this faith village, interact with culture? How do these two things relate. We're going to be talking about this for the next two months, so there's a lot more to say. 
but today, as we enter into this topic and we have our introduction, I'd like to draw upon the work of Andy Crouch one more time, who has written extensively about it and gives us five words to think about. They all start with the letter C. Five words to think about for how the church can relate to culture. Okay, so the first word is condemn. Sometimes the church needs to call out and condemn things that are bad and evil in culture. We mentioned Lamech in the book of Genesis, and today there are things that need uh, calling out just as well. There is an obvious ongoing problem with racism in the world, and when we see that, we need to call it and call it evil for what it is. Uh, the case of Ahmad Arbery and that murder, we have to name that for what it is and to call out injustice when we see it. I know that case is still uh, evolving, but yes, there is a pattern of this in the United States. There's another pattern of human trafficking in our world today. And when we see that and we, uh, when we encounter it in this world, we need to call that out and condemn it. The second word is copy. Copy. The church can copy culture. And sometimes there are good things and we can just simply replicate that and copy it. For instance, uh, a couple months ago, we did not have an online platform. Um, Access had a YouTube channel, yes, but you know nobody really watched it. Um, we may have had one or two views, and now we have this new platform, but we didn't know how to create it, so we had to look up videos. We had to learn from other people who were much more experienced, and we copied that. We learned from them, and the learning curve has been steep, but yes, it was a good thing and we have learned and we have grown from it. Uh, and it's been a blessing in this time of social distancing to have an online platform. The third word is critique. Uh, sometimes we need to critique culture and to analyze it and to offer it ways to do better. You respond to it and you say what is good and what is not so good. So Ira Glass was a great example of this in the introduction. We talked about his comments about how Christians are often portrayed in media. Um, media can do a better job of faithfully presenting stories. And when it just tells stories that of, of aberrant churches or churches that are not socially distancing, uh, and not reporting on the thousands of churches that are honoring that, it creates a distorted picture. It can do better. Fourth, the fourth word is consume. Sometimes we can consume culture. And sometimes that's our most appropriate response. Um, we don't need to always condemn or critique. Sometimes simply when a good cultural good is in front of us, if someone has prepared a good meal, uh, if there is sushi, which is a cultural creation, is sitting in front of me. I miss sushi, by the way. I haven't had it in months because of all the social distancing. Um, if it's in front of me, I am going to consume it, and that is a good and positive response. And finally, the last word, starting with the letter C, is create. And this is where I get really excited. This is where we can dream and imagine the relationship of the church and who we can, can become in the years lying ahead. We are meant to create 
just like God the Father created. So we are made in the image of a creator God. And as we follow Jesus and we are a new creation, we are meant to look at this world and create redemptive things, good things, things that speak of the light of God, things that speak of the love of Christ. And when we enter into these relationships well, we can be a testimony of how God had always imagined what human flourishing could be about. That's where I get excited. So this could include a number of different things. Certainly it can create physical things like books and food and clothing and dance and art and, and what have you. Those are very physical things, but when we're talking about the creation of culture, we're also talking about thoughts and ideas. Next weekend, we're going to be talking about mental health, uh, the church and mental health. And by doing that, we are creating space for ideas to unfold in the church. We are creating space for people to find healing and hope. And I'm really excited about that. This can include things that are social in nature. So when different members of Axis create things like small groups and online groups and formation groups, these are ways in which we can create social spaces for people to interact. And during the time of the pandemic, where many of us are feeling the effects of isolation, I really miss being with friends. I really value the opportunity to meet with other people and to create and to have people who create these spaces for us. Now, today, what I've laid out before you is a lot of theology and ideas. And not all of this is necessarily practical in the sense that you can go out and begin doing things right away. Well, yes, you can create culture right away. Maybe you can go create a meal for your family or you can sign up for a small group and those things are very good. But the intention behind this introduction is really to get us thinking and to reimagine what our lives could be as we follow after God. And as we continue in this time of social distancing and the pandemic, what we need to do is start reimagining what life could look like, what human life could look like, and how we can flourish with the limitations that we have. How can we live out the calling of God even in this time? And I know that we can because this is who God created us to be. Now, as we wrap up today, I wrote a prayer to help us connect more deeply with God over this topic. Again, this was an introduction, and really, maybe the most faithful way that we can continue this is just to invite God to lead the way and help us to realize this calling again. You can follow this prayer by simply praying this in your heart as I pray this aloud. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being the creative and amazing God that you are. We acknowledge that we are made in your image. Help us to reimagine ourselves in light of who you designed us to be. Help our hands to create for your glory. Help our minds to dream of new possibilities. Help our hearts to infuse our every action with your love and your care. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. 
Hey, thanks for joining me online today. Uh, I invite you to pray our sending prayer in just a moment. Again, remind you, we're going to have some discussion questions at the end of our video today. So you can uh, jot those downs and continue the conversation in a small group or maybe with your friends or maybe with your family. Um, let's pray our sending prayer together. Loving God through all our years, let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it, where we envision peace and work to build it, where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship, where we discover gifts and offer them. May your spirit guide us toward joy and generosity. In Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus, amen.